Well, if you have a Bible, you want to keep open to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, because that is where we'll be uh, looking at our text this morning. I mean, obviously, for followers of Jesus Christ, it's a pretty important day, right? It's Easter Sunday. It's when we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And, 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 and really, it's, it's the heart of our faith. And, 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 and without that fact, without that reality, Christianity actually doesn't work too well. You see, there are some things in life, and sometimes when you, you speak, there are some things that are just so important, so bedrock, that, that, that to not get it right... Uh, means you're not able to uh, to build on on a, on a foundation that's sure, and you can run astray. I remember this very vividly. I was uh, part of a, a series of competitions where we were being judged as public speakers. This is back when I was uh, younger. Younger, I was a freshman in high school, and so there's this huge speech competition in Florida, back in Miami, Florida, and. Uh, I memorized a speech from a famous speechwriter and delivered it. That was sort of the uh, the declaration, uh, you know, contest. I was also in Shakespeare dialogue, um, uh, playing Macbeth. Uh, I was a good Macbeth uh, there. I, I we finished third. My partner and I finished third. There were only three teams, but we finished third. That's the key. But one of the competitions was the extemporaneous speaking competition. And this is the way it kind of worked is they gave you a topic. They gave you five minutes to come up with a three-minute speech, as I remember it. And so I entered that competition, and um, my topic for the competition was on the dangers of hitchhiking. It's an important topic. So I worked on that thing for five minutes, and I came up with this plan to make hitchhiking and the dangers of hitchhiking a major part of driver's education in every high school in Miami, I mean in Florida, that it was a prerequisite and part of the driver's education program and I waxed eloquently on the dangers of hitchhiking, on the how this would solve that problem and you know, get a little wisdom into these young drivers who are 16 years old on the dangers of hitchhiking and I got to the final part of my speech and I was all prepared to say and my plan will address the dangers of hitchhiking. Except that's not what I said. I said, my plan in driver's education programs for new drivers, we will deal with the dangers of high school. I mean hitchhiking. I didn't win. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is such a bedrock, basic, foundational understanding that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, the Bible itself says that what we believe is foolish. You can read that later this afternoon in 1 Corinthians 15. It basically says that if, 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 if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, actually, then our... we're still living with the penalty and shame of our sins. He goes on to say, if if Jesus is only a hope for believers in this life that has nothing to do with the next life, 
If that's the hope in Jesus is only for this life because Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It says we are to be pitied more than fools. Believe me, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I would hope that most of you are thinking believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, I've thought about this. I can't say that for, for the last 30 years, every moment of every day, I'm, I'm sure Jesus rose from the dead. Every once in a while, I think about it. I think about it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything I've told anyone has not only been not true, but it's been pretty unhelpful. To sit there and claim that Jesus Christ, having lived and then died, and then after he died, to come back to life again as the center of our hope, if that doesn't happen, what are you doing here today? What am I doing here? The reality is, when we look at the New Testament, when we look at the gospel witnesses, when we look at what Paul writes, I think we can be pretty confident that the idea that Jesus actually lived and died and then a few days later came to life again is based on reasonable, solid, eyewitness support. And we can be confident that Jesus did rise from the dead and can form the basis of our faith and our hope. Now, I know some of you uh, I can just imagine you've come here this morning and you're not sure Jesus rose from dead. In fact, you may be pretty skeptical. You may be unsure. Like, really? I mean, I mean maybe you're here with your, fam- you know, your family, your extended family, right? You're here, you know, because there's a free meal after the service, right, at the house, right? And, 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 and you're here and, 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 and you're not sure. And I'm, I'm glad you're here. I want to thank you for being here. I think that's great. What I would like to suggest um, is if you could at least listen to what we're going to talk about in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what the Bible says about the resurrection of Jesus. And in your mind, sort of say to yourself, okay, uh, for for the sake of argument, let's assume that it really happened. Just for the next 20 minutes or so. I mean, it's Easter. I mean, I think for all believers, we know in our very own scriptures, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're in deep trouble. But, but it's also true if Jesus rose from the dead and was the main way that this is how God wanted to rescue you, to dismiss the resurrection of Jesus puts you in peril as well. So let's all, for the sake of argument here, let the word of God pull us along and think through one question we're going to answer and ask an answer. Then the question is this. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for the world? According to the Bible. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for the world? And to answer that question, we're going to have to look at 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty to verse 28. Now we read... 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, which is the foundation, the resurrection story, as Paul recounts that. But now let me read through verses 20 to 28, and then we'll dive in to what is it, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for the world? Verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, and he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he has accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Well, this is God's word. I'm going to walk you through the text here because what Paul does in very succinct manner, in some sense, he gives bullet by bullet point the main uh, understanding of what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for the world. Let's go back up to verse 20. Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. That is Paul's assumption that Jesus was actually bodily resurrected from the dead. Paul says the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What Paul is saying is Jesus's resurrection was like the first fruits of a harvest. And the first fruits of a harvest, the vegetables or, or the fruit that you would be growing, the, the first uh, fruit that, that, that was in the harvest at the beginning of the harvest would be called the first fruits. And Jesus's resurrection was like that first fruit, that initial resurrection that underlines and underlays all of the other future resurrections. Verse 21, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. It's interesting what Paul says is he recognizes that the world is broken. This is the one part of Christianity that you can, you can essentially prove almost. I mean, just read a newspaper, you know, look at a website that kind of talks about today's events. The world is deeply broken. And Paul reminds us that it's broken because Adam and Eve, the first people on the planet, they sinned. And because they sinned, death and sin has now come to all. And then, of course, he reminds us that while sin and darkness and death and destruction and brokenness are part of the world, there is a way out of that, and that is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he also goes beyond just the fact that in a broken world, if I believe in Jesus, then I will be resurrected as he is. He's the first fruits. My, reckon, my resurrection would, would be, like, you know, come after Jesus. But he goes on to say it's not simply that individuals who believe in Jesus will have their sins forgiven and have new life at the end. The the resurrection of Jesus means that much more. Look at verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. What Paul is describing here is that because of the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus will come back and because he has power over sin and death in light of his resurrection, he will defeat all of the spiritual powers that have brought sin and brokenness and death into the world. 
every rule, every authority and power. Verse 25, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. In other words, it's precisely because of the death and resurrection of Jesus that death itself is defeated and death is the, it's sort of the culmination of the brokenness of the world. It's the result of sin. And therefore, what, what, what Paul is describing here is the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that the entire universe will one day be recreated and remade, in some sense, resurrected, fixed. Where righteousness, justice, peace, love will characterize this new world all based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to describe that new world for you a little bit more. And if you could turn to Revelation chapter 21. The last two chapters in the Bible describing this new kingdom, describing this kingdom that Paul has been describing that will set up where Christ will oppose all of the forces of evil that are against this kingdom that he is going to arrange. (coughs) Here's how the Apostle John describes the new world, the remade world, the remade creation. Verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What that means is, 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 is the old earth has been, now been transformed. The old world has been transformed. And now, uh, qualitatively, Jesus and God have recreated, in some sense, resurrected the universe, the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And here's what this kingdom looks like. Here's what this remade universe is like. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What you see here, what the resurrection means for the universe is because Jesus was alive and then he died. And then a few days later, he was resurrected to new life. Jesus Christ in him has the power over death, the power over sin. And not only can he rescue you personally from your own sin and from your impending death, He is also, because of his resurrection power, he is going to remake the universe so that heaven and earth will be new, will be remade, will be reconstituted, will be reformed, so to speak. And in that new world, that new kingdom, all of sin and death and all of the effects of sin and death will be wiped away, will be made right, will be terminated. And he will bring in this new world where heaven and earth are one. We sing about that in uh, the great hymn, uh, that this is my father's world where heaven and earth will, will ultimately be united together, where God's will in the Lord's prayer is done as we pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven will be realized in this future where everything that was wrong with the world, everything that's broken in this universe will be put right because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
anybody excited about that vision? You know, when I was 19, the resurrection and having a new body was not that exciting to me. I was 19. I mean, I thought, I mean, I, who needs a new body when you could have a body like mine, right? I mean, it, you know, it worked. Now I find myself uh, hurting twice as long as the exercise I actually do. I'm looking forward to a new body, but I'm also looking forward to much more. I'm looking forward to a new world because this one is very broken. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that a new world is coming and he will accomplish it. Now I know if you're somewhat skeptical of this resurrection story, you might be a little skeptical. Oh, really? Are you trying to tell me that Jesus really did die and he really rose again and that's the basis of your hope for the new world? Well, you know. Well, is it that far-fetched? It's interesting. I'm sure some of you know this story. J.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, I won't ask you who has read that or who has not read that. I don't want to publicly shame anyone. It's a great trilogy. Tolkien and it was talking uh, to C.S. Lewis. Now, you know C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He wrote many apologetic books. But at one time, C.S. Lewis is a pretty avowed atheist. And he's talking to Tolkien, who was a man of faith. And they both were, I guess, teaching in the literature departments in different areas in Oxford. And C.S. Lewis was complaining. He was sort of saying, I don't get it. I mean, I read these, these, these myths in, in medieval you know, literature about a God who dies and then a God who comes back to life and a God who you know, he takes away the, the spell that's over the land through his sacrifice and his rising again. And I, I, I see that, but I, I don't understand the Gospels and that story where Jesus dies and rises again. And Tolkien looks at Lewis. And Lewis was an atheist at the time and said, what you don't get, C.S., probably called him Clive, what you don't get is that the, the stories that we all love, the stories that you love, C.S. Lewis, where you love to see the, the spell that has taken over the kingdom and then some heroic finger comes in and sacrifices everything and then lifts the curse so that everyone could be free in some kind of living and dying situation. What you don't understand, all of the stories, those fairy tales that we tell our children and that we, we hope would be true, behind all of those stories is the one story, the story of Jesus. What Tolkien was convinced of is that the real story of a dying and and rising God, the real story of the gospel of Jesus Christ lay at the heart of all of the stories we loved. You think about that. I mean, popular movies, popular books typically have to follow the story that's similar to the gospel narrative. I mean, think about it. Yes, I know there are some high literature where everything ends up in chaos. I know there are stories where everything ends up horrific. 
But at the popular level, we don't really like those kinds of stories. I mean, if you're watching It's a Wonderful Life, do you really want Jimmy Stewart's character to be arrested for malfeasance at the end of the movie and locked away? No, you want some resolution, right? Some of you probably watch Star Wars. Do you really want the Death Star to prevail over Luke Skywalker? The Death Star's never blown up. Yeah, let's see that. Darth Vader's in control of everything. Woo! Can't wait for the next movie. No. We don't tell our children fairy tales of whether it's Snow White or Sleeping Beauty only to have Sleeping Beauty never get kissed by the prince and never gets resuscitated and evil wins. And deep down, deep down, we all want redemption. Deep down, I think, because we're made in the image of God. And even though sin has defaced that image, we, we sense that deeply. And we, we know that that's what we want. We know that the world is broken. We are upset that the world is broken. We want it to be redeemed. And we tell ourselves stories in part that reflect the one real story. Is that there is a God who came into a broken world. And was willing to live, die, and then live again after being dead for a few days. That it's the heart of God's attempt to fix this broken world. That's what the resurrection means for the world. Let me push a little bit further. I, I have a number of very good friends and extended family members who would, would really scoff at what I'm sharing with you. The idea that Jesus died and rose again and that's your center of your hope. And, 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 and their understanding of the future goes like this. It's not the only uh, future that people believe. They believe that when they die, that will be all for them. That's their vision of the future. They believe that they will die. And, and yes, it's probably true. After a few short years, nobody will remember them much. And yes, they kind of believe that unless something dramatic happens, what's often going to happen to the universe is it's going to, because of entropy, it's going to break down and either freeze over or burn up or blow up. And so the universe doesn't have that great of a hope. And that is actually their vision of the future. Oh, I mean, I've had long talks with all of them. And, and again, they're, they're not in a fetal position in their living room. They're getting up every day and going to work. They've somehow constructed a way to have meaning. But wow, that must be difficult, I would think. And if Jesus truly died and, uh, and then after a few days... Was, was, was raised to life and he's the center of our hope and we know that the universe will be put back right through the power of the resurrection. What that means is all of the things we long for and struggle for ultimately will have fulfillment in that new world because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Some of you I know long for justice. Some of you are working for justice. In the vision of the resurrected Christ, you will finally get justice. God will put the pieces back together. 
But if you believe you're going to die, that's it. No accountability for evil in the world. No resolution to evil in the world. And the universe itself physically runs down and that's it. That vision means, honestly, that nothing we do matters all that much. And yet if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, everything that you do, everything you would do in a lab, everything you do to bring justice, everything you bring love, everything you do to bring God into the center of your life, however small it would be, it will contribute in some sense and ultimately will have full fruition when Jesus Christ puts the universe back together the way it's supposed to be. It means everything you do in life done for Christ in the way that fulfills the beauty and glory of what Christ would want us to do. Ultimately, it will succeed. Ultimately, it will be subsumed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he puts the world back together. And that, my friends, is a world with meaning, with purpose, and with hope. Is it not? So let me nudge you in a few directions as we close. First, for those of you who still are skeptical, I mean, I say that's nice. You know, I I wish the world and universe would be all put back together. I wish death and sin could be defeated. That sounds good. I'm not so sure. I just want you to encourage you to read for yourselves the eyewitness accounts and particularly 1 Corinthians 15, which is an explanation of those gospel accounts that Paul puts together and actually make decisions on the resurrection with you looking at the actual text of scripture before you make a decision to reject this story. When you read the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll notice a couple of things. These are just three of many, many arguments that could be made. Number one, it shows Peter, one of the key leaders in the Jerusalem church, shows Peter in the worst light possible. We read this on Friday night at the Good Friday service. Peter tells Jesus and his fellow disciples, I alone will stay with Jesus. These guys, they may fail you. I won't. I'll be the guy. Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. And it shows Peter denying Jesus three times. In fact, in some of the gospel accounts, it shows Peter hurling down curses. And there's some sense that maybe those curses are not simply being called on himself, calling on Jesus in order to differentiate himself and say, I'm not part of him. Well, normally if you're going to create some new religion based on false premises, you normally don't include the key leaders of the movement in that kind of negative light unless it's exactly what happened. But that's what we have. It's also interesting in the crucifixion and resurrection narratives that it's the, it's the, it's the women who are the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm sorry to say this, but in first century Israel and Roman life, women were not allowed and were not accorded the freedom to come into a court of law and give testimony that would be believed. 
Now, you can criticize that all you want. You should. But, but the reality is, when the gospel writers, within the first century, within 30 or 40 years after Jesus dies and rises again, shows that women are the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection, you would never put that in. Unless that's exactly what happened. And, of course, I could go on and on. I'll give you one more thing. There... Just what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 here. Verse 5, he says, he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. Then to the 12, the 12 disciples. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. It's very likely that Paul wrote his epistle within 40 years of these events. Within 40 years. And he's basically saying there was at least 500 people and there's at least 12 people. And then there were several people who, who saw Jesus die and saw him, in the sense, saw him alive again. And, and, and they're not all dead. You can go interview them. It's a powerful testimony. It's why when you look at the, the, the death and resurrection narratives of Jesus in the Gospels, how many people are named that have no real purpose in pushing the plot along? I think it's designed to say, you can ask these people. You can ask Rufus and Alexander, the sons of, you know, Joseph of, uh, you know, uh, you know Simon, Joseph of Arimathea, who, uh, I'm sorry, Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross. You can ask them. We're naming them. Go check it out for yourself. Christianity is not about making blind leaps of faith. It's about believing what actually is true and what actually happened. So let me push you in a couple different directions. Number one, if you are here this morning and you're skeptical, you don't know, you're not sure. I want to encourage you to keep asking those questions and I'm going to encourage you to connect with someone, maybe in our church, and, and to have a dialogue Search it out. Certainly nobody would want you to believe something you haven't thought about, something you don't truly believe in. And, and, and of course, as Christians, we hear from our own scripture that if this isn't true, we, we, we're in a world of hurt here. But if it is true, I don't want you to miss out. We don't want you to miss out because you haven't looked at it. You haven't thought about it. So let us know. We've got a number of people who would love to dialogue with you love to discuss and help you as you continue your search to find out who Jesus is. Uh, second of all, I just pray for the, I, 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 not only pray, but I want to appeal to all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. And we believe this, except when we have enough trials and enough difficulties, we struggle to believe this. We struggle to believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead. We struggle to believe that because of the resurrection of Jesus, this world is, is on its way to recovery. And it will be recovered fully. And I think for some of us, what we need to do is take our story, as difficult as it may be and as broken as it may be, and make sure we enfold it completely into this resurrection narrative that assures that the universe will be restored, the universe will be remade, we will be with Jesus, our sins will be forgiven, our own death will be dealt with, and we will have everlasting life in that new kingdom 
where heaven and earth are in some sense rejuvenated, rejuvenated, reconstituted, redeemed fully. So let me pray for us and then we need to worship. Lord Jesus, for those who are seeking, for those who have questions, I pray that you would graciously work in their lives and hearts as they think about Jesus, think about his resurrection, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord, because of what your word says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that the entire universe is set for a complete refurbishing, for from a complete redemptive plan that will right every wrong, will fix all of the broken pieces, will restore the universe to its, to its original glory and then some. The resurrection of Jesus means that death has been defeated, sin has been defeated. And for those who personally trust that Jesus who died and rose again, our victory over sin, our victory over death is assured because we are in Christ. Help us to believe that story. Help us to unfold our lives in that story. In Jesus' name, amen.